You're listening to the Light Forge Podcast, the key to unlocking your arena success with your co-hosts, ADWCTA and MERPS. Welcome to the Light Forge Podcast. This is Abukta. This is MERPS. Hello. I am back. None of you will notice this because it doesn't affect <laughs> the sound quality. It doesn't affect anything. The sound quality is better. I've been telling you this. You're, the sound quality is better. Probably, I think I just optimized it better in terms of the settings. Uh, mm-hmm. But once again, my computer has issues. So uh, if you guys, for some reason, wanted to see my Monday streams, I'm going to guess that I will be out of commission for at least like a month and a week. Something like that. That's, that's my guess right now. I know we just got them started back up, but... My computer is a fried toaster, so uh, that will not be possible. I am sorry. This is the most terrible saga. We're here, we're talking about like, we hope that what they did was nothing. Because if they had already fixed it, and now the same issue is happening again, I don't know how they're going to fix it again. Because they're not going to replace every part of the computer and just give you a whole new computer. So, and the warranty period is about to end. Like, well, this is still under the warranty period, but after this one, if it breaks again, that's coming out of our own pockets. I mean, not that this isn't. It still costs almost 100 bucks just to send it over there and pack it and ship it and all that stuff. Yeah. <sighs> all all right. right. Computer problems. Um, okay. So let's talk about stuff that's happened in the arena. We're going to not talk about Battlegrounds again. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about Battlegrounds uh, hopefully next week. Uh, but stuff keeps happening in the arena. Like, we thought that with the balancing changes, we would just talk about that. We played some games in the meta. It wasn't super different. It was a little bit better. We saw, like, the soft touch that the dev team has chosen to do for their, uh, for their first balancing. And we're like, okay, when are you gonna, you know, touch this again? Because clearly it's not at the end state, right? Like, everything was in a good direction. Um, the top is great. Uh, but the bottom clearly still needs work and stuff is going to happen again. But before, like, people even, like, voice those thoughts, you know, besides an initial thing, like, once people even figured out the meta, before the meta even settled, a new patch came out. Patch 23.2.2. And it has a crap ton of buffs and nerfs to cards. And most of those cards are in the arena meta. And a good deal of them actually do matter. So the meta shifted again, and now you have Rogue at 53.8% win rate. So whenever the next uh, adjustments are happening, you can bet that it's going to hit Rogue. Because Druid, which was at 52.8, I think, is now 52.5. So pretty much the same, but it, it went down a tiny bit. Uh, probably just because rogues are better now, so something's got to push it down. Demon Hunters went all the way down to 51%. It used to be at 52.2 like, or 3. Um, and when I say used to, I mean after the, the adjustments. Like, right before, basically right before they did this patch is where uh, Demon Hunters were at 52.3%. And now they're at 51%, which is below Paladin at 52%. Uh, Warlock is now up to, it's been rising. The adjustments helped it, and then these uh, car changes are also helping it. It's up to uh, 48.7% win right now, which makes it like a totally normal pickable class. It's even above Mage, which is at 48%, which is still a totally playable class. Like, 
This is such a narrow range. I, I said this before that the absolute ideal that you can possibly hope for for these class balances is to hit 52.5%. And all of these class and, and not go below 47.5%. Uh, and you have six out of the 10 classes in that range and only one class is above it because being on top is way more dangerous than being on the bottom and the class on top is rogue which is only like 1.3 percent above the the 52.5 percent so it's all looking very good numbers wise yep i mean yeah <laughs> if you don't care about warriors at all sure <laughs> if, uh, if you ignore three of the classes completely well look um Priest made it above 41%, right? I think they are yeah. right now. Yeah, they're, they're, almost, they're 42. almost 42. So look, Hunter is at 39%, which is still a few percentages better. It's really Warrior that pretty much didn't move at all. Now, yeah. we talked about it last week. Uh, we, we felt like there didn't need to be sweeping changes. I understand some people are frustrated that there aren't sweeping changes because let's face it, whenever there has historically been an adjustment, it is huge. The mm -hmm. first class usually goes to at least uh, a mid low tier class. And oftentimes it just flips. Like mm -hmm. the best class is at the very bottom. How many times did we flip flop between demon hunters being at the very top to the very bottom, to the very top, to the very bottom. That was like a movement um, about, I don't know, two years ago uh, th that, that just like kind of flip-flop back and forth. So that's what we're used to. We're not used to something a little more subtle like this. Um, Priest by the numbers have improved some, but warriors are still dumpster tier. And any anytime you see like a 36% win class, that just means it is complete dumpster tier. So has the meta been helped overall? Sure. Um, it's been mixed up a little bit, right? Rogue is very, compared very strong to, right now. Compared to the very beginning before the um, the Miracle Growth nerf, like Druid was 55% basically, and now mm -hmm. it's 52.5. So that's a huge difference now. You know, a lot of it is not due to the micro, to due to the adjustments itself, but there has been a, a, a very noticeable difference on the top. I am way less frustrated playing against Druids now than I used to be. Yeah, and look, um, Rogue being introduced up there, that's kind of a new mm -hmm. thing. Priests, and really not having three classes at 37% uh, is a little bit better, and that's kind of what we're hoping for. Um, in terms of the minimum we want to see from the meta and what we're really hoping for which we won't know and we won't be able to really judge or process for i would say like at least a year is exactly how much the devs seem to learn from this because mm -hmm. remember this is a new team this is not tianding uh with the micro adjust doing it whatever way uh, tianding wanted to do it um Matt London is trying to set up a new system, and this is the very first time that we see them implementing something. We yeah. obviously don't know what new algorithm, what new kind of considerations, priorities, uh, philosophies they have in place, but um, we're hoping that whatever they did this time, which was fine, you know, yeah. it didn't hurt the meta, I don't think. Mm -hmm. 
any complaints are sort of like, it's not new enough. I get that. I understand. Like, you're, you're tired of seeing Druid. You're tired of seeing Paladins. That's fine. You want to see more Warriors and Hunters and Priests. I get it. Um, but if this is a valuable lesson for the devs, that's fantastic. And I'm just hoping that we can build upon this for the next change, whenever that might be. Probably not until after the, um, after the mini set comes out, though. Um, yeah, just the timing. I, you know what? I think, here, here's my, what I think. I think that they're going to push out another round of balance changes just for the arena. And they're going to do it like oh. a week or like a week and a half before the mini set releases just to gather data. Not to like make arena better for a week and a half. Like maybe it will, right? Maybe it won't. But I think... There's no way, like, they, they have to look at it. Like, if I'm a dev and I just did the changes, right, and I'm looking at my results, I have to be happy with what's happening at the top. And I have to be not happy, or at least not thrilled, with what's happening at the bottom. Because you try to solve a problem, you knew that you were going, like, you know, in, in small steps, and what you've learned from this is that you can go with a little bit bigger steps, and for the classes at the bottom, you need to do something to make a lot bigger of a change. Because, like, Hunter's 39% now, but they got a couple cards nerfed. Um, and we'll, we'll go over that uh, in a bit. Um, but before the nerfs, Hunter was hitting 40%. Like, barely get, reaching over 40%. But it was like, it was happening. Um, so they did bring Hunter up from, like, 36% or 37% or whatever, all the way up to 40 So, like, it, it did have an impact. But they're trying to bring Hunter to, like, at least 48 right? So they need to push things up. So I think right before a giant rotation, especially when a lot of the community, uh, especially the hardcore community, the people who may still be playing Arena during the time right before a meta change, um, it, they're, they're looking for something potentially new and spicy. So I think you take a risk. Now is when you swing because the consequences are so low. And if you flip the meta, oh well, right? Weren't people asking to have the meta flipped? Wasn't that one of the complaints? With uh, with what the result of the first one is, and in that way, you kind of like you kind of test out your moves, right? You test out your like what happens when you move things in different ways because they've tested out the small movement. Like this next one, I would just go for it if I were them, right? Like I would just we, we talked about this on the last podcast where you have to balance towards forty seven percent, if not forty six percent, if your lowest class is at thirty five percent, because otherwise you're never going to get the classes balanced without making the lower class that was at thirty six percent totally like terrible and toxic for the meta by bumping up their best cards by like you know three times the offering rate or some ridiculous stuff so like hopefully they do something like that um but even if they don't and do something else like they got to go bigger like whatever was happening last time they got to do more than double it this time like and i don't mean like they did like one unit last time they have to do two units this time like they did one unit last time they, they got to do three units this time for four units altogether right like, that's the kind of movement that you want to see. And if it goes overboard, it's fine. Just be a little bit more bold next time. I understand, because part of the reason that you have to go with a slight touch at first, it's just like when you're learning mm -hmm. um, anything in life. If you make a dramatic change and something happens, it's much tougher for you to judge exactly what happened. Uh, well, and it's the more things you touch the tougher it is for you to judge the effects of that as well. So this, uh, I think what they did this time 
um, was purposefully for their own education experience small and that would be great if they did touch it like you said just uh small changes once again maybe like a you know in a pretty short period of time like uh, a week before the mini set comes out or something and that could also just be to not just change it but for them to gather more experience because they know um that the first change after the mini set kind of has to be good uh i'm pretty excited yeah. and also matt london tweeted at you uh, Matt London did tweet at me. Matt London gave me some compliments, and I'm very happy with compliments. <laughs> um, and and I gave Matt London some. Uh, I think I was responding to who was I responding to? I was responding to a a, a longtime viewer and uh, and and I think streamer. Um, but uh, but yeah, and I was just saying that the team was doing a good job um, with the, with these changes. Um, so. It's it's good, uh, yeah. I mean, I really appreciate everything the team is doing, right? Like Matt London's the face and the lead of the team, but also everybody else on on the team who's working on the arena. Like they have a team now. Remember before, like three years ago or whatever, we used to joke that it was like a quarter of one guy's job to like do stuff to the arena sometimes, and then it turned out to be true, and it was <laughs> Kim Ding who was like the 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 algorithm guy, right? Who was not like it was not like a um, like a game developer. Um, like there's different types of game developer, right? Obviously, what Henning does is hyper important, you know, to uh, to Blizzard and with his specialty, he probably has more of an impact than uh, you know a meat and potatoes game designer. But they're coming at the issue from different angles. Oh yeah, uh, and now, yeah, and now you have a whole team which includes all sorts of different people, right? Which includes all sorts of different expertise, all sorts of different opinions. And you have a lead who is Matt London, who is a, a, a game designer, uh, you know, by, by, by at least recent trade. Uh, and it, it's going to come together into this more, I, I think this more cohesive philosophy, but also this like, it seems like they have 10 times the manpower that they used to have on the arena, even though arena is only one out of like the six things that this team does. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. Um, just the fact that they are doing arena write-ups now. Have they mm -hmm. ever written about the arena? They have. It's not like they've never done it. Um, but they the one is they never really promise anything in the future um, when they're writing it because I think they know that they like they may say like you know we're open to right. or we're considering doing it. But here they're they're kind of like like Matt London's been pretty pretty blunt about it. He's like we're, we're going to be doing more. Like, it's not specific, but he's... The directionally, it's going to... Like, stuff is going to happen, right? And, uh... Um... It, it's just... Yeah, I mean, they, they've never written something about the arena before. Um... It, it, it has been a while, though, because they kind of put arena on a strategic pause. And then they unpaused it, but they didn't really do anything. They just kind of, like, I guess we're figuring out what to do internally. And now we're actually seeing, like, steps being taken. You know, a team was formed. Responsibilities are given out. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I mean, we're we're very excited about what's going to happen in the arena, and uh, we it, we know that it's going to take a long time for for the the big stuff to get there, whatever big stuff might be. Um, but in the meantime, Matt London has promised more frequent and quicker uh, balance changes, and. You know, we've seen the first one, and it like I, I I was very impressed with with the restraint that was shown 
as well as with the effects. All effects were positive. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it, it, you know, the follow up it can go into a, a different way. And then I think you, you give it a couple of reps and then you should be starting to get, they, they, they should start to get a good idea of what all the pieces are to, to move. And then it's just about speed, right? And then the next thing that'll be very nice is, hey, this patch has to come out, you know, not two weeks after the meta happens. You have data after three days. Historically, there was one time where they did do a balance patch three days after release, and it was wonderful. And it was, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it solved a lot of problems. Um, yeah. And they need to do that every time. They actually promised in the blog post that they will respond faster, right? Yep. Literally, well, that's, okay, that's they said crazy. they'll respond faster, but they responded this time, like, what, like two and a half weeks in? So faster doesn't mean super fast, No, no, but, but just right? having this, uh, sort of like, because that puts you out there, yes. right? Yes, and, and that is something that they haven't done before. Yeah, they don't promise anything. And, yeah. I, like, that was also one of those, like, okay, we won't even mention Arena. Like, whenever something mm -hmm. is changed, right? Like, Arena won't even be mentioned. Um... So to me, like, it, it's, it's crazy that I'm saying that that's crazy, right? Um, <laughs> but for Arena, that, that sounds crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Arena. Um, so yeah, uh, for going back to the changes, let's, let's go over what changes actually happened to the cards. Just so you guys aren't like, like, you should go read the patch notes. It's actually quite a number of cards. We're going to gloss over like half of them because they either don't have Arena Impact or they're not really in the Arena, but they're just good to know. And you'll see why. Like, for example, Demon Hunter got knocked down uh, quite significantly. And um, you'll see why Rogue got boosted up and Warlock got boosted up. One of the major changes in this patch that I think is underappreciated is that between the micro-adjusts uh, that just happened in the arena and this balance patch, Warlock's a real class now. Like, Warlock used to be like, oh, it wasn't sub-40%, but it was like 43 or something. That's also, e like, to me, they're equally unplayable. Like, I don't want to play him because I know I'll be at such a severe disadvantage. Um, so now Warlock is a totally legitimately playable class. So you've just added one class to your roster in addition to switching the, uh, the top uh, class down to number two and the old top number two class down to number four. Like, you don't have to move the top class to number eight or number nine or number ten. That is not necessarily good balancing. That's not even usually good balancing. Like, that's just, like, everybody gets their shot at being number one. Like, that's bad. You don't want everybody to get their shot at being number one. You want everybody to be as close as possible. Um, so, uh, so if almost always the top classes go down to the bottom, that actually means you're balancing in a crappy way. Uh, it means you're making sure the top classes aren't in the top anymore, just for the sake of diversity, rather than making a legitimate attempt to move everything to the middle. In which case, the top class will be, like, still at the top half the time and, like, below median the other half the time. And overall, the band will be slimmer. Um, anyway, okay. First card. First card that they chained is Drek'thar. Um, that's a legendary and is not in the arena, I think. Maybe uh, it is in the arena, um, but it doesn't matter. It's a 4 mana 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, you, you will not see it. <laughs> Like you don't see it often. It can uh, like you you can sometimes see it like generated, but yeah, you you, yeah. you really don't see it. Okay, but yeah, it's a legendary. It, it says it used to say if it costs if this costs more than every it's four mana card. If this costs more than every mini your deck, summon two of them, and now you only summon one of them. Some constructive balancing issues. Um, but the more interesting stuff is happening here. So here's a demon hunter nerf, multi strike. 
used to be one mana is now two mana. This is the card that gives your hero plus uh, plus two attack and like gives you an extra attack on the turn. And it was a, a very good arena card. It wasn't like a super busted arena card, but it was very good. And this got nerfed to be just like an okay card. Like it's still, you would still draft it. This is not like an undraftable card by a long shot. But it does tone the power level down a little. Oh man, I remember I used to love using that card with uh, Puffer Fist. That thing. Oh uh, yes. I, I yes. mean, that thing was just so incredibly freaking strong. Um, really toxic. <laughs> like for four mana, what you could do uh, was just insane, right? That was just like four mana. You develop a minion, and then you just like ultra swipe consecrate them um they, it, yeah it, it just completely bust expectations so now you know now puffer fist is not exactly what it used to be and this card is not what it used to be as well mm-hmm yep um and uh in exchange exchange i guess is a weird way to put it but uh they they buffed uh zilog of the abyss which is the demon hunter uh Colossal card, and it was one that when it was released, we were pointing at it and we were like, This card's an A, it is a colossal card, it is an A tier, it is not an S plus tier like most of these are. Like, we don't know why it sucks so much compared to the other colossals. Like, you'll take it, it's an A tier card, you know, it's good. It's like Night Captain, it's like, uh, um, you know, it's an A tier card, it's, it's a good card, it's like a, Nag a Naga's A plus. This isn't even as good as a Naga, I think. This isn't even as good as a school teacher um, before. Like, you have a problem, right? When, like, the card, whose main goal is not, like, some weird combo, but whose main goal is just to be big and amazing when you play it out. Uh, and in the arena, it is not as good as, like, a regular epic card in school teacher. It's so funny. Like, you, you could tell in this patch, or you could joke that um, they looked at their mistake mm -hmm. and they were like oh no no no! like every colossal does have to be amazing yeah. uh so yeah they buffed the demon hunter one if you just look ahead a tiny bit they mm -hmm. buffed the priest one as the well priest one, which may be the worst one uh it was so bad it's just it it, it forces you to get healed basically and clears the opponent's board i i would say in the previous meta it was not bad i I said in the previous meta, the Priest one was better than the Druid one. The Druid one was, like, really tame. Yeah, the Druid one was bad. So I think we actually rated the Druid one maybe the same as, uh, as, as the, the... The Druid was really tame. Yeah, I, I the think the one Priest bad. one was better. I mean, like, here, here's the thing. Uh, when do you see the Priest legendary the most? In other classes. <laughs> yes. Through, like, uh, Phelan, through just random shit, right? Like, random generation stuff. Uh, but face damage, health is supremely important nowadays. So, so, so important. Um, so, yeah, the behemoth uh, that life steals, it's it's pretty great. Like, uh, well, it's pretty great as a normal card, pretty meh as a colossal, and now that has been buffed by a mana as well. Once again, Blizzard just saying, we can't have a mediocre, and by mediocre, I mean you know by the, yeah by the most powerful cards in the game standards we can't have a mediocre colossal 
Yeah, uh, and I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? They're like I said, they're colossals. They're not meant to be for. They're just meant to be literally the arena dominators, right? Like that are playable and constructed. Like these legendaries have to be so good that you just drop them. They're big. They do stuff, and in the arena, all this stuff kind of like matters. Like there's nothing inherent about Zilog's design, for example. If you forget what the Demon Hunter legendary is, it's the one that deals random damage. Like, at the end of the turn, there's, like, four stalks that are one-twos, and if they don't die that, um, you know, by the end of the turn, then they deal, like, a damage. And then on the next turn, their damage gets buffed by one, and they deal two damage, and, you know, etc. Um, and they got buffed by, it starts out at two damage now, I think. Is that, is that how it got buffed? Yeah. It, it, it starts out by being, uh, by being two damage instead of one. Um, which... Makes it a lot better, because now half of the card essentially got doubled. Uh, but there's a reason why we rated it before, like, an A. Um, and, uh, yep, Kolok we rated an A as well. But, I will say this about Kolok. The Kolok win rates are higher than I expected. So, I mean, I've played with Kolok a number of times. I have not felt that it was terribly, like, different than what we rated it. But the win rates say something a little different. So, I'm gonna... Put an asterisk next to Kolok. Um, then, what do we say? Okay, Gaia is only S instead of S+, but who cares? That's an S-tier card. Um, and Blackwater Behemoth, which is the rogue one, has not been buffed. And we rated an A. I haven't been tracking that one. Uh, but the Priest was the other one that was... Uh, that was bad. Where is Priest? Where is Priest? Where? Yeah, where is Priest? Oh, no, sorry. Blackwater Behemoth is the Priest one. Yeah. And that's yeah, the one that's, that got buffed. My bad. Okay, so there were only two. I take this back. There were only two that we rated. Uh, sorry, there were only three that we rated below, uh, below S tier. And two of them got buffed. Because Blizzard was wrong about their balancing because they weren't S tier. And Kalak is the only one. And it has higher win rates than we expected. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not ready to say we're wrong about Kalak yet because I've used it a number of times and I haven't thought it was particularly good, but it's definitely got an asterisk on it. I think part of the reason uh, Kalak is decent is because. Um... Druid kind of just wins as long as they don't die. Like they're mm. they're a great like I win if I don't die class, and that colossal just really helps. Right, it's a huge taunt with a body attached, and uh, that and also gives armor. armor. Right, it's a it's at minimum a giant giant taunt, uh, so that's pretty good. Yeah, and if you get it in the right circumstances, it wins you the game because the Kalak can't die. Yes. Or be hurt. <laughs> yep. So uh, sometimes it absolutely locks up the game. The other times it's like, well, how much defense were you expecting for that amount of mana? You, you weren't getting more than that, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the absolute highest amount of defense you could get for the mana. It's just the other colossals don't just give you like that much. And, you know, it's not all defense because I know the body can attack and if the shell survives, it's immune, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's mainly for defense. Uh, and the other Colossus are, like, off offensively, you know, like, they put on so much pressure. But Druid never needed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I haven't checked Colossus out win rates recently after Druid. I mean, Druid hasn't really fallen that far, so we'll yeah. see. Um, okay, 
Uh, next up, Hunter has a nerf and, and buffs, uh, multiple buffs, uh, but but one big nerf, and the nerf is to Dragonbane Shot. Dragonbane Shot, which was one of the lone bright spots for Hunter, uh, is now three mana, which makes it unplayable, because it's now a three mana card that deals two damage, and if you honorably kill it, you get another Dragonbane Shot for three mana in your hand. So it went from being bad for tempo to being unplayable for tempo. Man, it's such a shame. I had quite a few decent runs with Dragon Bane Shot, even for very aggressive ones. It's sort of like, okay, because you have to play the board for a little bit until you give up. And then once you give up the board, I'm like, okay, well, now I still have two damage, right? I never, mm -hmm. I never gave up my opportunity to choose between face damage and clearing the board. I just used it whatever you know you can call it inefficient but sometimes that's just exactly what you need right mm -hmm. if if i need because the way to think about it is like two mana for two damage is by the book inefficient but if i'm using two mana to get rid of something like a five two <laughs> that's really efficient right that's yep. like incredibly efficient so those are the situations that you want to more so focus on and hunters have always been a little bit awkward um also, you do have like pings and small damage, and sometimes you just need Dragon Bane to like finish that off. I really like the card. Um, it's also not like super powerful or anything. No, like, it was not. They just super made it unplayable. At all. We yeah. rated it a C to start. Like that's how not powerful the card was. Yeah, it because it really wasn't good. It was just useful. Um, yeah. Such um, a shame. Damn. Yeah. Like that was a, a a good card to have, but I mean, you could see why. It, could get problematic with combos uh, in a constructed setting. Um, okay, but uh, Hunter's got uh, a couple of buffs as well. Actually, quite a, quite a lot of buffs, but they don't really affect Arena that much, except for one. So the buff, first buff is the Harpoon Gun, which is a rare weapon. Three mana, three two. Um, after your hero attacks, Dredge, if it's a beast, reduces its cost by two. It now reduces its cost by three instead of two. This will have a minimum effect on Arena. Uh, I don't know about Constructed, um, but it's made a already amazing card. This is an amazing card. This is, I don't know, do we, we give it an A-plus tier or S tier? This is just like a really good card before, and it made it slightly better, which is not what you want to see from an Arena perspective, but it really doesn't have that big of, a, of an impact. Yeah, it was an A. It may be an A-plus now. It may still be an A. It doesn't matter. Like, for a removal that's in a... Uh, especially a rare removal in a, in a class. Like, this is not an OP card, and it's still not an OP card. Um, yeah. But the next card, this will be interesting. So Pet Collector used to be a 5-mana 3-3. Battlecry, summon a beast from your deck that costs 5 or less. So it used to be a kind of playable 5-drop. It was never good unless you had a specific deck that just happened to set up for it. But it was also like kind of just fine right because you're on average going to get what like a three drop that's going to be like a three three or a three four so you spend five mana on a three three and another three three or maybe you get a little bit bonus right you take some rng chances um like it was it was a card that you draft and you play and you're you're okay with it they gave a plus one plus one on the base so now it's just overstatted way more often than it's not like it's almost always overstatted now unless you get a one drop um so this is now a good card pet collector and it is also a common 
So this has been a pretty big change in Hunter. And, uh, um, I mean, you don't see it in the win rates, uh, because a lot of the other classes got a lot better, um, actually. Uh, but it is something to keep an eye out for. This is an impactful change to the Hunter if you decide to play Hunter in this meta, which you should. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. Uh, it, if you just look at the win rate, though, um, them losing Dragon Bane Shot, I think, is huge. Uh, mm -hmm. That was just a lot of flexibility. So making it up with the pet collector, and I would say it doesn't make up for Dragon Bane Shot, you know? Um, so... Eh, I think it's about the same. Uh, I think it's about the same in terms of power level, but I think for the meta and for what they needed, Dragon mm -hmm. Bane... Like, they needed yeah. Dragon Bane Shot more they than do. they need a pet collector, you know? So, yep. yeah, I would say in terms of just one for one... <laughs> power level in terms of like what 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 was like buffed and nerfed sure i think if you ask anybody who plays hunter what would you prefer like would you prefer uh the old dragon bane or would you prefer like you know this uh the the, the change to um <coughs> pet collector i think it's dragon bane every single time hmm. All right, next up is Asheron Saber, another Hunter card that got buffed. This used to be a 4-mana 3-3 that rushed. Death Rattle put a Sunken Saber in the bottom of your deck. Um, the Sunken Saber is, was a 4-mana 3-3 with Rush. Death Rattle summoned a beast from your deck. Uh, so this was not a particularly arena-friendly card before. Now it is a 4-mana four 4-3 four, rush. 4-mana four 4-3 four, rushes are now definitely playable in the arena. Like, this is a fish. And, yeah, it doesn't really have a second body. Its second body is hidden in your deck, and you have to actually, like, you know, dredge it up. Um, but, so it's nowhere near as good as a fish. But it is now a playable card, and it is a common card. So, Hunters did get a little consistency in their drafts with this one. Yep. Um, um yeah, it, it's fine. I, I never liked the card that much i think other people liked it more than me uh but that's a huge difference uh, i mean that's a 33 percent increase in the attack and let's face mm -hmm. it the attack is really what matters for that thing yeah. so gigantic buff for the card um and it's really two buffs, right? Because it, it it's buffing both of like the the bodies that are involved with the card. yeah i mean the second body you'll rarely see but yeah um, well, depends on the dredge and everything. But if if you want that, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, um yep. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I I was about to say I was always confused because uh, how much did you like the card before? Like in 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 our co op, like we, I think you picked we, it. We once we rated I was just like, it. I hate a, the card. We rated it a D. So we do not like the card before. I but hated now the card. It's I, gonna be like a C. Sure, yeah, but even even back then, I felt like you were kind of okay with the card. I, I, I thought it was trash. I, I don't get it. I, I thought of it along the same levels of like a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three or something, right? With uh, like a 4-mana 3-3 three, three rush instead of a 3-mana three 3-3. Three, three. Okay, yeah. I just don't get it, man. But uh, it's a nice change. It was a needed change for yeah. sure. It was like whenever you have a common card that is like un like terrible in the arena, like it wasn't an F, but it was also not really playable. Uh, buffing it up to something that is playable just gives your deck so much more consistency. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like these are like these are like pet collector went from a C to uh, probably a B if not B plus. Like that's that's really good for Hunter, and it's a class card. We don't care if class cards get to B plus at all. We don't even really care if class cards get to A. We're kind of like okay, that's fine. Um, so the, you're just taking cards that were not problematic before, and you are making them like a little bit better to match the power levels. Like Ashran Sabers, that's not an arena card. So I don't know what this is going to do with Constructive, but in Arena, it's just going to become usable, which is great. This is what you want to see. These are the buffs that are needed. Um, all right, Priest, we talk about Blackwater being uh, buffed. Blackwater got buffed by reducing its mana cost to 7. Um, so now it's a 7 mana, 8 to 10. That also generates a 1-4, and it forces everything on the board to attack it. And if the 1-4 doesn't die, everything you ever play will always attack this thing. Um... Yep. It's, uh, like, it got a lot better because that 8 mana versus 7 mana is a very big difference. Just look at Miracle Growth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how, it's like, if you're in trouble, something like a Miracle Growth or something like a Behemoth would really help you out. Uh, that one turn is absolutely crucial. And uh, now you get to... Um, you know, it's the reverse, right? Like Miracle Growth, you could be struggling a little bit. You need to find some cards. You need that taunt. Okay, on turn seven, and then you draw all of your answers, and you have a killer turn eight. Meanwhile, you just, you know, now, uh, well, first of all, you take a ton of face damage on turn seven. On turn eight, you, you, let's say you manage to get um, the Iron Bark Protector, right? Eight mana for an eight-eight taunt. And then you draw your cards and you're like, oh, okay, I, I managed to draw my flipper friends. I managed to draw my good cards. But all you did was play an Iron Bark on turn eight while you got like completely de- demolished the previous turn and then you die. So that's what's going to happen with the Behemoth. Um, you are going to be able to play it. You're going to gain that life on turn seven. Mm-hmm. They can't kill you. They can't really ignore it. And you kind of just win past that point. Like it's such a big difference. We had an A. It's probably going to be an S tier now, um, and that has to be. Right? The, that's yeah. the intention. That is the intention. Uh, all right. Um, Whirlpool. So, so when we say S tier, it's still not as good as the other Colossuses. Don't get me wrong, because the other Colossuses aren't even S plus tier. They're S plus plus tier. We just didn't mark it as that because I really didn't want to keep going on with this tier list, like by uh, by making that distinction. Um, okay, Whirlpool is an epic card. It was 9 mana, now it's 8 mana. Um, if you don't remember what this is, it uh, it's Twisting Nether. It also destroys all copies of it, no matter where they are. So it could be in your hand, it could be in your deck, but really, for arena purposes, pretty much Twisting Nether. Which is 8 mana, and an old school card, before the power levels changed. So, this being 9 mana was always a little, like, up. Oh, this is to counter specific constructed stuff. Um, this is fine at 8 mana in Arena. I, I will say, uh, in these days, you do see some, like, pretty powerful class cards, and, like, you know, you could be just removing... Because good classes at high wins, they have a decent amount of class cards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you could just be removing that other Snowfall Guardian, right? You could be removing that other uh, Inquisitor. Who knows? And, you know, if they played a discovered Anixia, you could be removing the Anixia they drafted. Of course. That's how it works. All good things. And in case you're wondering, it does not disproportionately... It disproportionately affects good cards or bad cards. 
because you're less likely to have doubles of bad cards because you'll pick away from them. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Alright, uh, Shadowcloth Needle was 2 mana, now is 1 mana. This is a card that is the, the priest weapon. It's uh, 1 mana, 03. After you cast a Shadow Spell, deal 1 damage to all enemies, lose 1 durability. It's still not arena viable. Very sad. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, they buff Serpent Wig. Uh, so it used to be one mana, give a minion plus one plus one, and if you had played a Naga while holding it, you like kind of get it back. Now it's one mana plus one plus two with the ability to get it back, which makes it super good. It's an epic card, you're not going to see it a lot, but it was always like, I think like decent. We rated Serpent Wig at C before, um, and plus one plus two, it just got like, I don't know, almost 50% more powerful. Yeah, it's quite good. Um... I I think this is a card in which um, I, I, I don't know how many times I saw it, right? But in the amount of times I did see it, it was fine. It was okay. Um, I think it was around like a C tier. Like you, you could find uh, places to use it. Uh, and I usually got like one copy of it. You're mm -hmm. not getting the other copy, but I'm okay with that. Like that flexibility. Yeah. Not, not not breaking the game, right? When you when you buff a C tier card, even if you buff it by fifty percent, you're still not getting to A tier. You're getting to like B plus tier at best. Um, all right, now we're gonna get to Rogue. Exactly B plus tier, um, but yeah, 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 um, yeah. You get to B plus tier at most, right? Yeah. This was probably a low C. It got buffed to, and it didn't get buffed fifty percent. It got buffed almost fifty percent because buffing health is not as good as buffing attack. Um, due to the initiative usage. Um, but okay. Uh, Rogue. Now we're at Rogue. Rogue got a whole bunch of buffs. If you're wondering why Rogue all of a sudden jumped from... It was doing fine. I think it was like at 50% or something. Maybe 49. 49 or 50%. It was doing fine. And all of a sudden jumped to essentially 54% win rate. It's because of this. Tooth and the Farian used to be 3 mana, deal 3 damage, honorable kill, discover a spell from another class. Now Tooth and the Farian is 2 mana, deal 3 damage, honorable kill, discover a spell from another class. Uh, just just something to, 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 to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, Tooth and the Farian is absolutely absurdly good. It, it was really good. Now it is absurdly good. Yeah, uh, that is unfairly good. Um, the mana cost before was acceptable, but you did have to find a time to play it. Um, you had to find a time to play it, and sometimes you could play turn three, sometimes you couldn't. Um, and now that it is two mana for a class that really thrives <clears throat> by being... Uh, you know, by pushing the tempo, by being mana efficient, uh, this is just really freaking good. Because one of the drawbacks of using Tooth before was you do slow down a little, and then maybe you make it up with a spell, maybe you don't. And now, uh, as long as you get a decent spell, you come out positive. Because you don't mm -hmm. have to make up for that one mana anymore. <clears throat> yep. Mm -hmm. We rated a C plus before. This one's definitely an A tier now. Um, and, I don't know, like, 
again, it's kind of fine to have A tier cards. That's just what class cards are. Class cards are generally cards that you would normally expect to see, and then like you get an extra card out of it for no reason, right? That's pretty much what this is. Uh, and so you know, it is what it is. Um, this is not a this is not a actually problematic card in the meta, but it is premium premium now. Um, now you go to SI Seven Smuggler. I have had to take so many SI7 smugglers. I just, it like, they, they just give, I think rogues just have a lot of bad cards. And so uh, uh, you end up taking it. SI7 smuggler used to say 3 mana, 1, 3. Battlecry summon a random 0 cost minion. Upgraded for each SI7 card you have played this game. You have probably played somewhere between 0 and 1 SI7 cards uh, in your arena game by the time you want to play this. But still, a 0 mana minion is like a 1, 1. Uh, like, which is... You know, it makes this card terrible, but it's technically a thing. So if it's next to totally unplayable cards, like Mines and whatever, you're still taking it. Now they upgraded it so that you summon a random one-cost minion, and that gets upgraded every time uh, you play an SI7 card. That is huge, because random one-cost minions these days are pretty damn good. There are so many 1-3s, there are so many 2-2s, like... One cost minions are are in a good place uh, right now, and if you can upgrade it just once, it becomes a two cost minion, and oh, this becomes a a super good card um, if if that happens. And the more of these you see, uh, because they got buffed, the more SI seven cards you'll have in your deck. Yeah, I'm not saying this is an A tier card, but it's like it, it like at this point, this card is at the point where it's like Yeti level, if not better. It's pickable. It's definitely pickable. Um, these kind of cards are always interesting, right? Because the better they are, uh, the it's like by them getting a little bit better, they actually get much, much better. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then you are able to take the first one. And once you are able to take the first one, you're able to take the second one. And also, once you're able to take the first one, maybe that questionable pick between two things, but one is an S, you know... Uh, an an SI agent or whatever um that makes a huge difference right and then it cascades like after you pick that one and then you see another one of these so it's huge I I don't like you know don't go into a rogue draft and say like oh man I'm going after these specifically you probably won't get them but it'll change one of your drafts every now and again as Mm -hmm. rogue because independently at the start, you're like, okay, now this was the pick, and it wasn't before. And then in that universe, you know, uh, in the previous meta, you might have had the exact same choices. You always picked away from it, and it was the correct pick every single time. And now, because you picked the first one, you should pick the second one. Because you picked the second one, you should pick the other SI card, and then you should pick the third one after that. Mm-hmm. So uh, your decisions are very, very different, <laughs> even though the relative power level of the card didn't you know it 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 didn't get like mega buffed yeah um and this card has become pickable because it is now a three drop like it's not a good three drop but it is now a three drop and that is a thing like it is a better than a three mana three 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 drop um okay Next up is a Walpaw Knoll. Walpaw Knoll used to be a 6 mana 3-5 rush, which costs one less for each card you've added to your hand from another class. 
Uh, so it was kind of difficult to consistently play. Wasn't particularly like good. Um, nobody really liked them, and uh, it was just not not a not, not a good thing. Um, now it is has been changed to be five cost, so it's one cost less, and it has one more attack. So it's actually gotten to become very playable. Like, even if you don't reduce it at all, it would be a good card in the arena. 5 mana, 4, 5 rushes? Totally good. Um, we've seen a couple of these before in the past. They've always been good. And if you can reduce it by adding cards to your hand, and you can get this out on turn 4, on turn 3, it's game-winning. Yep. So, like... I'm going to actually click on this card. I just want to... I just want to see. So the deck win rate for this card hovered at around 50%. And since the patch, it is now at around 60%. Just rough numbers. Just to give you an idea of... Uh, I mean, rogues have also gotten 3% better. Uh, so this is only responsible for like 6% of that difference or something. But still, that's a lot. Uh, okay, now uh, Tess Greymane got changed. It was 8 mana, it's now 7 mana. It's it's this, it's an 8 mana 6-6 six, six that says Battlecry, you play every card from another class because you've played this game, now it's 7 mana. I have no idea how it affects the arena. I'm not going to dig into that one. Um, and finally, the last uh, rogue card that was buffed was Hench Clan Burglar. You guys know the Hench Clan Burglar. Uh, he is a 4-mana, four 4-3, four, Pirate, Battlecry, discover, discover a spell from another class. He is very good. He did not need to be buffed. He is now 4-mana, four 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, man, that was really unnecessary. I don't know why that was, uh, that was done. I, I, look, I don't understand enough about Constructed uh to analyze that change but for arena that thing is a menace now oh my gosh yes because uh, it was definitely really understated before and, and now i'm not saying four four is great but uh it definitely passes by a lot of breakpoints right i don't have to tell you that four is more than three deep analysis here i really don't like it for arena but what are you gonna do yep um, I mean, it's, this is now a problematic card for Arena. I'm not saying it needs to be banned or whatever, but this is going to have its offering odds reduced, probably, when they nerf Rogue. Because it's just, it's a standout card that is a little too high, and uh, it's doing a little too much. Um, I don't know when, what we had it as uh, before, um, rated, but I, I'm pretty sure this is an S-tier card now. Yeah, Because you're not just discovering a card, you're discovering a spell. Yeah, it, um, it absolutely has to be. Yeah, and and it's a it's a common card. Um, for for common cards and rare cards, you don't want them to be S tier. You really don't, even for class cards. Um, if it's like an epic and it's S tier, fine. Like you're just not going to see it often enough. You could just treat it almost as a legendary. You're not going to see that class often enough. It just won't feel bad, right? When it like totally blows you out of your uh, out of the water. Uh, but for Henchclan Burglar, every rogue you face is going to do something with Henchclan Burglar. And it's all going to add up. 
This is one of those cards. It is uh, the second best card in Rogue right now by win rate, only behind Bootstrap Sunkaneer, which is uh, a sap, the 5-mana 4-4 sap. Uh, and that one's ep epic. So you don't see it often at all. Remember, epics are seen at about one-fourth the rate as commons. Um, so, and to give you an idea, they nerfed, most of the cards they nerfed, they nerfed by about 15% offering rate. So in order to nerf a common card to be epic, you need to nerf by 75% offering rate, and they did 15. So they're, we're, we're, we're so far apart between, like, what the power levels of these cards should be. Um, yep. So yeah. So I think Henchclan Burglar is the first, like, truly problematic card that... Uh, that that exists. Um, I think Tooth and the Fairy is also problematic, uh, but Henchclan Burglar really does take the cake because for Tooth, reducing one mana, it, it's not exactly the same as a, uh, making a four mana four four kind of on curve because you're you, you're not playing the Tooth on curve most likely, so the mana matters a lot less uh, than than something like uh, like a minion. Um, Okay, so that's Rogue. So if you're wondering why Rogue is super good now, they buffed it. Tooth, huge buff. SI7 Smuggler, underrated buff. And Henchclan Burglar, huge buff. So Rogue is a little problematic now, and we're going to see it hit. And if you were... My money would be on it being hit on Tooth and uh, definitely on Henchclan. It would just make sense. Finally... Uh, we have Warlocks that received uh, some buffs, and Warlock is a relevant class now, and it's a relevant class partly because they buffed, uh, the uh, the adjustments buffed it by like 3% win rate, and now uh, this buffed it again. Um, I didn't see a lot of people talking about this, but these are pretty big buffs. So the first one is uh, the Strakis Cultist, which used to be a 3-mana 2-3, and... Like, if you just remember this, when we were doing the card reviews, we just went through Warlock, and we're like, this is bad in Arena, this is bad in Arena, this is bad in Arena, this is a terrible set for Arena, what the hell are our Missile Curses supposed to do, everything is bad, nothing is playable, ooh, Warlocks, like, they had good cards before, so that they probably weren't going to tank to the bottom, but this is going to be a, a rough set. Well, they kind of just went down and turned these cards into actual normal cards that you would expect. So now, Strakis Cultist, instead of being a 3-mana 2-3, is a 3-mana 3-4. Like, what normal cards are supposed to be. Um, and uh, similar, Drag Below used to be 4-mana, deal 4 damage to a minion, give your opponent an Abyssal Curse. Now it's 3-mana, deal 4 damage to a minion, give your opponent an Abyssal Curse. Ashrahan Scavenger used to be... Uh, oh, well, this one moved less. Uh, this one, because it's not an Abyssal Curse card. It used to be a 3-mana three 3-4, three, now it's a 2-mana two 2-3. Two um, but, um, and same with Sunken Scavenger. Used to be a 3-mana a three 3-4, three, now it's a 2-mana two 2-3. Two uh, but here, uh, Blood Scent Vilefin used to be a 4-mana four 4-4, four, four, and now it's a 3-mana three 3-4. Three, so they just, they went down the list and they made a bunch, like three cards. Three cards they made from being either unplayably under-tempoed or just regular under-tempoed, and they made them into totally normal on-curve cards. Yep. Cool. 
so that's the patch patch 23.2.2 these are all the changes um know them because they are already live in in your arenas <clears throat> okay so let's talk about legendaries we're gonna end on a final we're gonna end on a a, a topic it's probably a little big topic we're only going to talk about one part of this topic we may we may come back to it uh in a in future life Force podcast but we're just going to talk about offering rates on legendaries and i wanted to talk about this topic because what we're doing what we're seeing the dev team do and what i've always been a proponent of doing when i say like nerf arena cards down to the ground is it actually costs a lot of resources if you actually want to change stats for cards in arena and it confuses people who have seen these cards elsewhere that all of a sudden like flame strike is all of a sudden eight mana instead of seven like what it all of a sudden deals four damage instead of five huh um like it doesn't it costs a lot of resources and it has a huge downside in connecting arena with the rest of hearthstone and just people's expectations so instead, usually when things get nerfed, they get banned or they have offering rates nerfed. Um, and bans usually happen if a card is super absurdly powerful, there's really not much you can do about it, uh, and neutral. Or it's just super unfun to see, and it doesn't matter how much you nerf it, it will never be fun to see or use this card, like like Flappy Bird, or, or that it would just be so much more unfun to receive than it is to give that we're taking out of the arena. Um, but a lot of other cards get nerfed, and the uh, they get nerfed by their offering rates. And this uh, this dev team has kind of committed, or has at least tested out um, doing it, even on neutral cards that don't affect class balance, such as Mothership, such as um, Gangplank, such as um, a Night Captain. So they've only moved it a little. Gangplank went down like 35, 40, um, and uh, the other two went down like 15%. So we're not even making them go up one step in rarity yet, right? Like the rare cards are still not even close to being epic cards. The common cards are not really rare cards. But if they do more, uh, they will probably get there, and maybe they should. So... With that being set up, I want to talk about what legendary cards are, especially like neutral legendaries. Because the only difference between a legendary card and a non-legendary card is the offering rate. And the offering rate of a legendary card is about half of that of an epic card, which is about half of that of a rare card, which is about half of that of a, uh, of a common card. It's all very easy to remember now. This has not always been true in arena history. They've messed with it quite a number of times. But for the last, like year plus it's been like this and uh and i i like the system because as cards get more complicated as cards get more swingy and as cards get more bullshitty uh they generally go up in rarity and so you see them less so maybe it's not the end of the world if flame strike is allowed to be in the game but if it's an epic oh my god that makes it feel so much better because i don't see it every single game because i don't want to get flame strike every single game that everybody has agreed since the beginning of Hearthstone was not fun. Um, but since they made uh, Flame Strike epic, even though it deals 5 damage now instead of 4, and is like so much more powerful than it was before, uh, people don't really complain about Flame Strike anymore. Like part of it is the power creep, but part of it is really just that once you make something epic, it's allowed to be more powerful. It's allowed to be more swingy. And legendaries are the least seen cards in the game. So they're allowed to be what they are. Now... 
they've basically created another category now where they actually nerfed the legendary offering raid for I think the first time ever uh, in Raid Boss Anexia. But they didn't nerf it for Ibis. They didn't nerf it for Sneeds, which are the other two problematic cards. Sneeds having win rate above Raid Boss Anexia most of the time. I don't know if it's the case right now. Okay, Raid Boss Anexia took over the crown from Sneeds uh, in this patch. But Sneeds was higher, and they go kind of back and forth. Um, and of course, Yasera was also not nerfed, and that one's always high. But if you've heard me rant enough about Yasera, you know that I think Yasera is actually just not a good card. And that uh, the uh, win rates are being heavily skewed towards average players. So as a good player, I don't care about it as much. Um, but Ivis, Goliath, and Raid Boss Anexia are game wreckers no matter what your skill level uh so the question that i would propose and perhaps you could take a first stab at this is how many legendaries do you want or like cards that are at roughly this level right like let's say they're not going to nerf or ban raid boss anexia or yasera or goliath or ibis how often do you want to see these cards yeah look um for those of you guys who are used to <laughs> the old days, I'm talking like, you know, when Trump is putting out his guides for Arena, um, you know, back when Crip and Hafu and all the cool kids, everybody was playing Arena, people were still figuring stuff out. Um, legendaries were actually legendaries. There was no way to discover legendaries, first of all. There was just no way. Uh, Tyrion was by far the best legendary, and for quite a while, if you guys remember, legendaries sucked. You didn't want legendaries. You always wanted, we said this for years, it's like you want a mm -hmm. true silver champion over a legendary yes. pick. Now, did you want true silver champion over Tyrion? No, you wanted the Tyrion at that time over true silver champion. It's funny because today you'd want True Silver over Tyrion again, I would say. Um, because oh, yeah, always. Because it's like a crappy 8-drop. <laughs> um, but at that time, uh, it was like, oh, yeah, you didn't want Legendary. It's like, did you want to be presented with, like, Baron? Did you want to be presented with then, like, a, a, a brand Bronzebeard, right? Like, you didn't want any of these crappy Legendaries. So back at that those times you saw legendaries rarely and i would say you wanted to see more actual powerful legendaries but legendaries as a, a category sucked um mm -hmm. you, you were pretty much unhappy with a legendary pick unless you know you were playing druid and then you're like oh whew, i got a legendary and then i got scenarius okay that's good i didn't just like get all these crappy legendaries crappy conditional constructed legendaries um, and nowadays, uh, legendaries win. On average, your mm -hmm. legendary will win you the game. And so if we're talking about the average legendary now, which if not a colossal, and by the way, there's too many ways to discover, generate, whatever colossal. Yeah, let's set aside the discover yeah. thing so, for now. Let's just talk about drafting. If like, let's assume they about, fix uh, discover one way or the other. Right, if you're just talking about drafting a legendary, I'm okay with you not being able to draft a legendary until you sort of like one in every five decks has a legendary, something like that. Mm -hmm. I am totally okay with that. Um, now, of course, look, we've talked about it. The fix isn't drafting. I'm actually, I'm 
I would love to increase the amount of drafted legendaries if we could significantly decrease the amount of discovered legendaries, whether it's dragons or colossals, all of that stuff. Um, that's my preferred method. That's not what we're talking about now. So don't don't be like, oh, Murps, like, what are you doing? That doesn't fix the problem. I understand. I know. So if we're just talking about then drafting, let's decrease it then. Um, I think it's one of those things where it is too much right now um, overall. And if we're not going to touch the discover pool, which... We have found it. it is harder, right? And they're more willing willing to touch the draft offering rates mm-hmm. of everything. Sure, cut it. Cut it significantly. Uh, you just don't get legendaries, period, almost. Because you don't whiff on legendaries anymore. It is supremely rare for you to yeah. completely whiff on a legendary. Like Most of the times, legendaries are the equivalent of, let's say, if legendaries didn't exist in the game, of you getting, like, a Caverns or something. Yeah. Like Um, your top class card. Like, these days, you, you know, if if you get a legendary pick and you don't get an Ivis, you know, you don't get, uh, let's say, a Nixia, you don't get your Colossal, you're just like, oh, okay, I'll take a a Runthak level legendary, right? Which is still supremely good. Um, I just don't like that. I don't like the fact that uh, sort of your fallback yeah. and your average legendary is like a Runthak level kind of legendary. So yeah, yeah sure. If, if that's what we have to do, I, let's decrease it. Like once out of every five runs, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like it, it's if you enjoy seeing legendaries, oh hell, you're going to see a lot of legendaries in your game still. Yeah, so I, I want to say that uh, um, I, I think, and I think you agree with this, is that the problem is not that legendaries are all good now. That is not a problem in and of itself. The problem is that effectively good legendaries now show up in decks way more often than they used to before. Not just like twice as much, but like eight times as much, ten times as much. But it's actually a good thing that all the legendaries are being brought up to the levels of the highest legendaries in that now you actually have choices when you're picking potentially and now legendaries feel legendary right like it's when you when a legendary show pick shows up and you're like oh no like that's a terrible feeling so that's not good design yeah yeah like so i like that the legendaries one are better than regular cards for the most part they've gotten more consistent about that and two that their power levels are overall more consistent as a base right that's what arena uses just the neutral base not any kind of synergies not any kind of particular meta stuff um and they've they've kind of upped it that i appreciate but it does mean that we see too many legendaries i think we see right now by my math over 1.5 legendaries per deck just drafted naturally into the deck itself yeah that sounds Um, about right yeah less than two but over 1.5 um and that is uh, that is a lot. Um, I don't know about reducing that to zero point two, which is what what you were uh, proposing, um, but uh, definitely should be reduced a bit. Uh, I think they went with uh, this kind of rate so that you can expect a legendary in your deck, right? You will more often than not have a legendary in your deck. And they thought that that created, you know, a better kind of like gameplay thing. But keep in mind that if we break once, because all the legendaries are now all S tier or really close to S tier, as they should be, um, 
you also really don't want a lot of those cards in a game, period. Because they just, you can't, like, what do you do when a Colossus comes out? Like, you just lose the game, like, 95% of the time, no matter what anybody has done before that. So, if the top legendaries are to remain in the game, and I think that that's the idea, because they've nerfed Raid Boss Onyxia quite a bit. Raid Boss Onyxia now shows up less than half the time that, like, Ysera shows up, for example. Like, Raid Boss and Ixia is in 1.4% of decks, Ysera is in 3.7, Goliath is in 3.7. So, that, that offering rate hit that was hit was really big for Raid Boss and Ixia. Um, uh, so, uh, so, yeah. So, if you're taking the Raid Boss and Ixia hint as a, oh, these kinds of big giant swings should not be in the game that much. We're creating, this is what I was talking about, but we're creating another category of, like, ultra-legendaries. Not just legendaries, not just S tier, but ultra legendaries that are S plus tier. Like, and if we're going to nerf cars to be like that, well, right now, Raid Boss and Nexia, by my math, probably appears. Raid Boss and Nexia, he's always drafted when he's offered. So, first you divide it by three. Let's start with, just to make the numbers uh, easier to work with. 1.6 is that is that make the numbers easier does that go into three no let's do 1.8 um so then becomes 0 0.5 and then you make it to be about a third a little over a third so 0 0.2 so raid boss anixia right now a drafted raid boss anixia shows up about as often after the offering rate adjustment to it so only in the recent games as much as nerf merps wants to nerf all legendaries too um, and that actually aligns perfectly, right? Because your whole point, Mervs, is that all the legendaries are out of control. And the amount of times that you should be comfortable seeing a totally out of control card to destroy the whole game is about once in every five decks. And that's what they made Raid Boss Anixia see. So, uh, I, like, I don't know if we need to go exactly that far, but it shows the same alignment of thinking, Right? Like, when the developer sat there and said, this is a card we don't even really want in Arena, but we also don't want to just start banning legendaries. That feels like, not just a slippery slope, but, like, definitely, like, kind of a line-drawing problem in that a lot of legendaries are kind of ridiculous. Um, so they went with the nerf offering rate and creating this extra bucket. And this extra bucket is effectively what Murphs intuitively thought that a more controlled setting would be. So... Um, I think the devs are in alignment with us, or we're in alignment with the devs on thinking what would make the most fun game. And the difference now is all the rest of these legendaries, right? Like, because a lot of them are still out of control, almost as out of control as Raid Boss and Ixia, like Goliath, like Ivis. And if you're talking about three win players, like Ysera. Um, so, so yeah. So, I, I think it's interesting that, by the way, this is not scripted or anything. Uh, I just kind of made Murps give an answer on the spot <laughs> so it's, it is interesting that the answer comes out the same as the, the current offering rate of raid boss and Ixia. um i would probably go with one in three on average one in three of your decks just to keep the three theme in arena and because i don't mind legendaries i think as much as uh as as merps does um uh, but yeah the it, the current rate of one point Eight, essentially of 1.8 per 1.7 maybe uh per deck is it's too much 
And this isn't a new thing. It's been like this for a while. And it has not been good for the arena to, to, to do this. Um, I, I always think to... like We've been playing a lot of Diablo 2. Um, I'm going to segue this. If you watch Murph's streams, he's been streaming a lot of Diablo 2. Uh, I'm all sometimes on there. I play Diablo 2 almost every single night of the last... Like since the ladder started. So the last like two, two something weeks. Two and a half weeks. Um, uh, when I'm not playing, I'm actively trading. Like this is a good time. Hardcore ladder. Uh, it's, it's great. I didn't even play that much Diablo 2 uh, Res uh, Resurrected when it first came out. But with hardcore ladder. Anyway, the point is we played a lot of Diablo 2. And I always think to the early part of the ladder and or the untwinked. I love untwinked. I'm playing ladder now, but like my bread and butter is untwinked. Uh, and the best parts, the best feelings is whenever a unique drops. Like you're always excited, right? Especially if you're untwinked because your other stuff sucks. But even if you are like in the normal ladder system and you can get, you know, better equipment, it's the early ladder. You can't get the best equipment yet. Uniques generally matter. And if you're just leveling through, uniques sometimes just matter for like a little bit. Like, you know, maybe I can use it for a few levels or like 10 or 20 levels and I'll ditch it eventually. But the feeling that I get when I see an unidentified unique item pop up is instantly, oh! And yeah, sure, like a bunch of times they crap. Uh, but a lot of times they're usable and sometimes like they, they're, they're like, they, they'll set you up, right? You can sell it for so much uh, 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 forum gold. And, uh, and and get super set up. Yeah, that's a good feeling. Like that's a good design. Now it's better designed for Diablo two than it is for a card game. But you want that feeling in a draft. You want when a legendary pick to come up to be like, oh my god, like I won the lottery, kind of right. But not so rare that you actually have to win the lottery to get it to happen because it's a game we want you to feel good. You don't want it to be like like once you go over the line of one, then you feel like you're entitled. You feel like you're entitled to one legendary. And if you don't get a legendary, like you're, you're averaging 1.7 or something. If you don't get a legendary in your draft, and oftentimes you don't because it's 1.7 on average. That has a lot of zeros factored into it because there's quite a few drafts that I'm sure we've all, you know, either been on the receiving end of or been drafting where you get like three legendaries. Um, and so when you get zero, which is not an infrequent percentage of time, I feel like cheated. I'm like, where's my legendary? Like, even if it's not a good one, I didn't even get a shot at a legendary. And, and that just turns something that should have been this really good feeling positive thing into something that is not a really good feeling positive thing, and instead a negative thing when you don't have it. So, from a game design perspective, like, on the feeling part in the draft, I think they really messed up by increasing the legendary offering rates. Now, within the game itself... I don't want to call it a mess up, it's just the direction. They made the game more swingy and the game more whatever, and as a good player, of course you don't want to see that. So obviously I'm on the side of, you know, less crazy legendaries. But just from a draft perspective, like I feel like there's so much that gets lost when you raise the rate to be more than one. Like I would I would want it to be less than half. So Merp says 0.2 essentially. Um like, I, I don't know if we need to go down to 0 0.2, but I think half should be a cap. You want it so that you feel really good whenever you see a legendary, all right? And they've accomplished that by making the legendaries all kind of really good. Out of three choices, you're going to get one that's really good. So they've already accomplished that, which is good. But 
but now they need to make it rarer to make it feel really good when you get the legendary instead of just bad when you don't get the legendary yep um yeah that's my two cents on on feeling good and 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 game design and the legendary in arena i think that's fair um all right well we've we've talked for a long time actually this went on for longer than uh than i thought so we we're gonna talk some more about diablo but uh we can, no, we can do not, that next week not not necessary yeah we'll, we'll do good. that next week next week will be a diablo stream we'll go back to being the uh the hellforge podcast um as we talk about diablo immortal which is launching after next weekend um and uh and what we've been doing in the in the latter season um but uh but yeah um Okay, um, I'm going to give a shout out before we leave to our patrons at patreon.com slash grinninggoat. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. And uh, until next week, this is Adwikta. This is Murp. See you guys. Enjoying the Light Forge? For the full rundown on Hearthstone Arena draft strategy, card review, and arena gameplay, follow us on YouTube, Twitter, or twitch.tv at ADWCTA. Support the podcast by sharing us with your friends and family, or become a patron at patreon.com slash grinning goat. Thank you for tuning in, and see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>